0: Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See slash B ball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
1: Welcome to Bears Over Beers, the podcast that takes deeper dives in order to serve up cooler takes on the Chicago Bears and the NFL. My name's Jeff Burkus. I'm a writer for Windy City Gridiron, and joined on the other line by E.J. Snyder, a man in high demand for all his draft coverage. E.J., how's it going over there? Uh, it's busy,
2: like you said, but it's good. Uh, it's the most wonderful time of the year. It's like it's like Christmas. We
1: get to open all the presents really soon. Well, how about we get a beer going to uh, at least prevent us from opening the toys too early? Uh, I <laughs> I have a uh, particular beer today it's called Dragon's Milk from New Holland Brewing and this is in honor of Game of Thrones coming back Uh, I don't Ah. know if you're a Game of Thrones guy but I'm very excited for the final season and I can't think of any finer beer than drinking Dragon's Milk
2: yeah, I'm, uh, I'm familiar with both Dragon's Milk and Game of Thrones. I'm the weird, uh, the weird watcher that is, uh, that's not a white walker. That's a weird watcher who is halfway in between. I'm not one of those people that's like, I've never seen Game of Thrones and I'm not completely dedicated to it either. I watched about two seasons and people are like, how did you stop? Um, I got really busy is the answer. I like it. I think it's great. And at some point I will definitely go back and catch up on it all, but I'm all kind of a completionist. So I'm not just going to start watching the final season, um, Well, that's good news
1: because, you know, the show's going to end. We don't know about the books, so at least you didn't start the books uh, and be waiting for them like the rest of us. The show definitely is going to end. We've got five episodes left or four by the time that you're listening to this. So very exciting. I won't spoil anything for you. Well, that is very, very kind of you.
2: Um, I did not go with a uh, show-themed beer. I Actually, just went with one I had on hand. This is not a not a themed to the pod beer, but uh, I picked it up this week because I had not had any. It is 805, and it is made by Firestone Walker Brewing. And 805 is the area code for the central coast of California, right around San Luis Obispo and Southern Monterey, Santa Barbara, that area, and uh, it's it's pretty nice. So I'm going to open this one up
1: and All right, let's do it. talk about them. Now, as I pour this into my Chicago Bears glass, I was asked by my wife to clarify that my wife actually bought this glass for me. The last podcast, I mentioned that I bought it, but uh, isn't it funny how your how
2: your wife asks for clarifications on the podcast? I've received several requests for that, and uh, yeah, we should we should probably give a shout out to our wives because they are incredibly patient, the both of them, and uh, they allow us to do this and, and bring you this really nice content while we're avoiding the rest of our lives. So uh, here's. To to, here's to our wonderful wives
1: credit where credit is due i'll cheer us to that
2: <sighs> yep. so why don't you tell people it's about delicious. dragon's milk dragon's
1: yeah. milk is a as you might expect a stout um pretty surprising <laughs> I'm from shocked me. It's, shocked and appalled yeah it's uh, bourbon barrel aged so um you know that always kicks up the abv 11 percent on this one Ooh. i i just think that it's uh it's really solid. There's a lot of those out there. And so this is not a, not a particularly cheap beer, probably going to run you about $4 for, a um, for a 12 ounce beer, but I think it's really good. And, uh, I bought it last week for the premiere, uh, of the last season of Game of Thrones and thought, well, I should bring it on the pod too, but I like it. It's, it's definitely got a lot of roasted, uh, flavor notes to it and it's overall pretty delicious. Good deal. Um, I'm on the other end of the spectrum. This is
2: a, they describe it as a light, refreshing blonde ale created for the laid back California lifestyle. Kind of drinks like that. There is, however, a bit of subtle malt sweetness, um, just a little bit of hops, but you can really taste the malt, and that's odd in a blonde. Um, but that's one of the reasons I like it is it's a little bit complex. It's a little bit, um, has a little bit more body than your average, uh, blonde beer. And it's quite low in alcohol on the other end of the spectrum, 4.7 ABV. So this is a beer that you could absolutely, you know, hang out with a uh, six pack on the beach and, and drink most of them and, you know, have a nice night under the stars. That would be ideal. Um, but it's great. Starts off pretty cleanly, has a little bit of citrus, but I'm, I'm kind of anti, anti citrus these days. Cause. Everything has citra hops in it and tastes like grapefruit. And right. while I like grapefruit, I don't want it in my beer. And uh, this avoids this, that quite nicely with that little bit of malt sweetness at the end. So I find it a great balance. It's really nice. I'm glad I glad I discovered it.
1: Well, I've got a local Iowa beer that I'll showcase at some point that's a Blonde. I think it's probably the best beer in Iowa. And it's called the Blonde, mm-hmm. F- blonde Fatale. But it's 8.5%. So Ooh. it's got a good kick to it, and, but it's a really good blonde beer. But no, no hoppiness to it, but it's a, it's an excellent high-proof blonde beer. So I, I do like that style. That's a pretty good style for me because it's not too hoppy.
2: Yep, we're staying away from the hops, but uh, we are going to hop into some draft predictions. Ooh, look and, at that segue.
1: Uh, I know, not bad, right? Uh, All right. Get better at this. All right. So I came up with a few questions, and so I figured I'd throw them out, see what you think. I'll give my answers as well. Uh, But there's a few things that I've been thinking about when we're entering this draft. Not a lot of draft capital, uh, limited picks, limited areas for the Bears to focus on filling. And so uh, there's some pretty interesting things that come out of that. First question I have to you is, do you think that Ryan Pace we'll dip into next year's draft capital to try to move up in the draft or acquire another pick. It's a very timely
2: question. I got asked this on a pod earlier this week, as you mentioned, I've been sort of doing the rounds uh, and we'll continue to do that through and after the draft, which has been super fun. Lots of different people, lots of different perspectives, but I did get asked this question and their, their bent on it was, would I prefer that he do that? And it's a little bit of a different question. I think that they might and we'll talk about that in a little bit i would prefer that they don't but if they do i want them to get a really good player and people seem to forget sometimes that the objective of the draft is not getting picks and more picks it's getting good players no matter how you do it and if you're gonna bundle a pick from next year and sort of rob from peter to pay paul you got to come away with somebody that's going to contribute this year.
1: Right. I think the reason why this is such an interesting question is because Pace did it last year. He, he used this year's second and another pick to move back into the second round and draft Anthony Miller, who is a very good player. And I think we're very happy with him. And so, is Pace going to do that this year? Because we just don't have that much capital, and the player pool starts to kind of thin out at you know the hundred pick mark. And so, is he going to want to take another player in that late third round to try to seize the window that we're that we're looking at right now? And and so, I think it's interesting. My personal opinion, if I had to make a prediction, is I don't think he's I don't think he does it. That leads me to my next question. What position do you think will get drafted first?
2: It's another really good question. Obviously, hotly debated among Bears fans and draft analysts and everybody else. A lot of people say running back. Um, I put up an article on uh, Windy City Gridiron this last week about uh, an exercise I did where I did a lot of mock drafts and what that taught me about the draft and about the really the supply of players in the 2019 draft. And turns out drafting a running back from a supply standpoint is not the greatest choice at 87. Really starts to limit what you can get from the other sort of high demand areas where the Bears have needs, edge, cornerback, safety. So again, if they're going to go for a running back, they better believe it. They better believe that that guy is going to contribute right away and really sort of change the offense. If that's not what they believe, hard to justify that that position at that pick now that being said if a certain player is there i bet they do and that player is daryl henderson from memphis okay i'm gonna gonna very very staunchly concentrate on saying memphis because i've been saying kentucky all through draft season and it's like my little tick this year uh he is from memphis and he is the home run hitter in this draft he's the firecracker he's the one one with a eight something gaudy eight something yard average per touch um, explosive plays all over the field and I think Nagy really wants that quality more than he wants the steadiness or the well-roundedness that someone like Travion Williams brings who's another great back and if he ends up being a bear that's awesome he has his own brand of explosiveness but if you're looking for the sort of the most explosive runner um, which is where fans think the bears need to draft on offense is running back more than, more than sort of any other position. Daryl Henderson is that guy. And I think Maggie wants that more than maybe even we appreciate. So if Henderson's there, I think running back might be the first position drafted. Now I don't necessarily think that's the greatest, but we'll talk about a theory here at the end of predictions, um, that might sort of mitigate that scenario. But if Henderson's there, I'm going to say running back in the first, um, If not, uh, if it was me and I was staying away from running back because there's a good supply, uh, I might say corner. I might say cornerback.
1: Yeah, my answer is defensive back. But I think it's interesting that you mentioned if there's somebody that they covet that maybe they do take a running back in the third. Or maybe they even, going back into that first question, do they – use dip into last uh, next year's capital and try to try to move up to make sure that they get that, that one guy that they really want but it sort of flies in the face of what pace has been doing by interviewing every single running back that played college football last year and so i think that they're gonna probably have to be pretty comfortable with watching some of these guys fly off the board and i agree with you that if you take a running back in the third round it really limits what that fourth round pick can do. Whereas with that supply of running backs that we talked about over two podcasts um, that'll be available, potentially some of them are going to be available in the fourth round. You know, if you want to address some of those other positions uh, I think the first pick is, you know, likely to be in the third round. I think that's where you do it. And for me, defensive back, I'd love it if, if they took the, the Iowa Hawkeye Monty hooker, I think he's makes the most sense from replacing Clinton Dix uh, after this one-year contract that he's on, and I think he could play some meaningful snaps this year. Is there a guy that you, I mean, you know, we're going way out here now, but a specific player that you would really like to see that's a reasonable pick for that uh, third-rounder? If we're talking about corner,
2: uh, it would be, uh, we're going to talk about positions in a little bit, but it would probably be one of two guys, either Joe Williams from Vanderbilt, Again, I'm looking for an outside corner in the third round. I'm not looking for a slot corner. Um, I think I can get a slot corner a little bit farther along. If it's an outside corner, it's Joan Williams from Vanderbilt or most likely David Long from michigan we'll talk about those guys in a little bit but let me throw an alternate theory at you because of exactly what you talked about that supply and demand and what picking a running back does first and it limits your chances and everything else and the trade-up option as well this all kind of rolls together into a theory uh that i've been cooking this week and it came to me sort of in a falling asleep dream daydream not exactly sure but i was thinking about it because of that largely because of that exercise i did for the article last week and i and i Realize that after that third round pick, just about everything starts to drop off, except for running back. There's tons of running backs down the board. We've talked about that, but your top corner choices start to go away. Your top safety choice is almost surely gone. And again, this is top for the third round, not top for the draft. So what if they do, they want that firecracker running back, they, they think Daryl Henderson's the guy or, or whoever is their big explosive running back that they want, and they go pick that guy at 87. What would you think if they packaged a couple of picks to move back up into the end of the third round before all the edge rushers disappeared, before the safety disappeared, before all those top corners disappeared, whatever they wanted second. What if they came out of this draft with two picks out of the third? What would you think about that?
1: Well, I think that's, you know, that's pretty much what we talked about them doing last year after they took Daniels to address the offensive line. They packaged picks and moved up so they could get Miller. And I think that they knew that the the guys they wanted and maybe the talent dropped off at a certain point and so I don't mind that because I, I do think that in the NFL you're talking about limited windows and I think we both believe the Bears are going to be very competitive this year and probably have their sights set on a deep run in the playoffs and so if you think that you can add a guy this year who can contribute play meaningful snaps I think it's fine I think it's worth it I know a lot of people hold draft picks sacred and don't like to uh, dip into the next year but I, I mean I'd be fine with it I, I don't necessarily think it's going to happen but I but I I would be absolutely fine with it
2: yeah I think if you come out of that third round with a difference maker on offense like Daryl Henderson and a guy that can play meaningful snaps on the defense um, even a loaded defense this year and those guys would be again a cornerback like Joan Williams or David Long on the outside sort of um, guarding the bears against injury to either filler or Mukamara or coming up with a safety like uh Marquise Blair who was almost always gone again, setting up for that Clinton Dix is going to, you know, probably be one and done. Um, who are you going to grow next to Jackson because you don't want to spend, you know, $40 million paying your safeties and you're definitely going to pay Eddie Jackson. Right. Or maybe you go get that third edge rusher. You go get somebody that's still on the board, like a Justin Hollins. He, now, a lot of people think he's a fourth or fifth round talent, but in the simulations I did, he very rarely lasted to the Bears pick in the fourth round. He was almost always gone. He's athletic. He projects. He's more of a sort of Floyd backup. We talked about him on our edge rusher podcast. So if you come out of that third round and you get Daryl, Henderson in either one of those corners, the safety or somebody like Justin Hollins. And then you sit all the way. It's going to be a long, long drought all the way through the fourth because you're going to traded that fourth and package it with some something next year to make it go. You're going to get all the way to the fifth. Of course, you're going to skip the sixth and then you're going to have the two sevenths. So it's going to be kind of a long drought, but you come out with more top end talent.
1: Right. And I'm trying to think if there's any players that you might see traded on draft day that kind of thrown in that you know, I've heard
2: Kwiatkowski is a name that's been tossed around
1: that's the one and certainly I think that we've we've gone into him in that inside linebackers episode where yeah we probably don't see him sticking around for much longer anyway um, but I'm kind of curious if other people saw on film what we saw and if he's just a better fit in where he can kind of play a two-down thumper role uh, and not, not have to do too much coverage so yeah maybe that happens to to help you know, sweeten a deal or, or be able to move up. Um, that, that might be kind of interesting for a one year rental for somebody to, to have Kwiatkowski. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting. That's what makes the draft so fun is the maneuvering up and down the board, uh, to try to fill out the the roster and, and grab the guys that you like. But this, we've kind of spoiled my third question a little bit, but ultimately at the end of the day, where do you believe the Bears draft a running back in this draft? It's not an if they're going to draft one, um, but what round do you think that they draft one in? And ultimately, if you got a name, let's put it on the board. Let's put let's get it let's get you on record uh, to say sure. who you think Absolutely. they'll take. Absolutely.
2: If if Daryl Henderson makes it to eighty seven, I think they take him there. If he's not there, I think they wait until the fourth and they get a player like Travion Williams. Um, there are many other choices uh who floated around in in my mock draft simulations in that fourth round and on down there are guys down into the fifth um that they could go after they've met with a lot of those guys as you've said um guys like rodney anderson from oklahoma um justice hill might be there probably the fourth but not the fifth darwin thompson will be there down the board miles gaskin will be there down the board um rockwell armstead from temple will be there down the board Bruce Anderson from North Dakota State, all those guys, and then of course there's Bryce Love floating out there. Um, I saw one of those ill-timed rumors a couple of days ago that said, "Oh, there's stiffness in Bryce Love's knee," and somebody um, somebody reacted and said, "Oh, he's probably going undrafted now." And I was like, "You got to remember, it's silly season. It has been for two weeks. If if news like that is coming out now, you have to wonder why." But I still think uh, Bryce loves a really good option, but he's going to be down there in the fifth of the sixth. so if they if if it's not Darrell Henderson, it's going to be later. I would probably say fourth with somebody like Travion Williams. But if they don't go there, don't panic. there's board there's backs all the way down this board um that could come in and be very good and and maybe even a free a uh, few um UDFAs as well.
1: Yeah, I'll be very surprised if they don't end up taking a back in the fourth. I mean, I like your theory in the third, don't get me wrong, and I would be fine with it. Um, but I, I, just how I see the board falling for them, I think that they go in a different direction in the third, and then take a guy in the fourth. You've sold me on Travion Williams. I really like him. I Think he's a really good fit, and so that's that's the guy I'm gonna I'm gonna stick uh, my flag into the Bears drafting him. But I'm gonna go out on, on a, a a limb here, and I'm gonna say that the Bears actually draft two running backs. I think that they used uh, one of their seventh round picks to take a guy that's fallen. Maybe it's a love. Maybe it's a Rodney Anderson. Maybe it's a small school guy, you know, uh, the the North Dakota State guy. Um, I just think that they have done so much work on running backs at, that Pace's head is going to be so full of running back information that somebody's going to fall down on that board in the seventh round. Pace to say, "Let's let's bring him in. Let's bring him into the room as well." And so that's my bold prediction here: is that the Bears are going to draft two running backs. Nice. I guarantee you they'll draft one, and I guarantee they'll bring
2: more than just that one to camp so there's going to be some interesting backs that might slide because of injury you named quite a few of them um Jalen Moore from Appalachian State's another one that's a guy that's shows a lot of fit for what the Bears want to do uh did suffer an injury so there's gonna be a question about how he comes back from that but if he slides down into the UDFA ranks I could see you know, pace and his scouts going out real hard after somebody like a Jalen Moore to compliment whoever they draft. So I think they'll definitely go to camp with more than one, whether they draft both or draft one and pick one up as a free agent. We'll see, but I'd, I'd be almost positive. They take more than one, uh, sort of out of this general player acquisition process to camp.
1: Well, and you know, there's certainly precedent around the league. Colts did it last year, I believe both the draft picks and I know the Broncos, um, drafted a guy and uh, pretty early, Freeman pretty mm-hmm. early right and then yep. they brought in uh Lindsay and as an undrafted free agent because you went lo- you know local kid and Lindsay actually took the reins and ran away with it so uh, definitely double dips in the running back market previously as, as recently as last year and I just all the research that pace has done I, I think he just can't get it out of his head and he drafts two of them um, my last, my last prediction question for you, and this one's coming up a couple times and we've got a couple of colleagues that are staunchly against this idea, but do you believe the bears select a kicker at round seven?
2: I don't think so. Uh, they may choose, they have those two seventh round picks. They may choose a kicker, um, if one's still on the board, but the approach they've taken so far, I think they probably go the. Guys that have been jettisoned from other leagues and free agent route, um, unsigned college kickers, bring in three or four of them, let them fight it out and find a young leg uh, that's you know what they want and go that route. I don't know that they spend a draft pick now. If they spend a seventh round draft pick on a kicker, I'm not sad because seventh round draft picks are. I said this on a pod earlier this week. They're little pieces of plastic. They're not. They're not worth anything in terms of if you look back historically how many 7th round draft picks of of any stripe any position have have made much of a difference it's it's an incredibly low percentage so these are all just darts at a board if they spend a 7th on a kicker and they believe in that fine i don't care it's a 7th round pick uh if you're looking at the draft value chart the the value of a 7th round pick is like Eight or something seven ten something right darn your single digits So these are these are basically throwaway pieces of paper, and if you choose one with a kicker go for it
1: Well, you're I mean historically in the seventh round you're trying to find someone who can contribute on special teams well, a kicker contributes on special teams. Um you're trying to find like a long-term developmental project, you know, that, that seventh-round offensive lineman that you're going to bring in cuz he's big and you think you can maybe get something out of him in a couple years as a swing tackle or something, right? Yeah, yep. there's occasional success stories in that. Um I get that, don't get me wrong, but not necessarily uh has a high hit rate or anything like that. And then you're maybe taking somebody that has an injury risk that you think you can give a redshirt year and they can come back in the future and and, and contribute. So for me, the first part is a contributor on special teams. Again, kickers contribute on special teams. Would not be upset at all if they ended up going that direction, if they feel that that guy can solidify that spot or at least compete to solidify that spot. You got to be comfortable with being able to cut the kicker that you drafted, if one of the other guys that you signed just turns out to be the better fit, I'm not sure Ryan Pace would have a problem with that. I have no idea that he would be that if he would be that uh, connected to a seventh round kicker that he couldn't cut him if one of the other guys he signed beats him out in camp. But I'd be fine with it. I ultimately I don't think they do it like Lynn, just like you said. They've done a really good job of going out and trying to sign kickers from all these different areas. I'm sure that they're, they'll go out and sign an undrafted free agent and uh, let them all compete for this position. And that's, that's a really good plan. So ultimately, I don't think they do it, but I am with you in that it would not upset me.
2: Yeah, I think, I think at that point too, there's going to be enough injury risks, um, and sort of small school guys that, that you can take long shots on. Um, again, guys like Rodney Anderson, if people aren't, there's, I guarantee with all his injuries, there's some teams that already have him off their board. Now, what if, is it likely that he comes into the NFL and stays healthy, especially at a high impact position like running back? It's not, but what if he does as a seventh round pick, that's a huge payoff, if Bryce Love is there in the seventh, I run that card to the podium. Like right. I do handstands to the podium. Because stiff knee or not, again, if he hits, he's amazing. He's probably even better than the guy you draft. And I'll go on record saying that. I've I've gone on record saying that he's the Eddie Jackson of this draft. He's the guy that got injured and People have sort of forgotten about him because he's fallen out of his ability. If he's there in the seventh, you absolutely take that gamble above a kicker. Um, there's going to be enough of those guys that I think they probably end up spending the pick on a guy like that.
1: And like we're saying, there's no risk in a seventh round nope. pick. There's no expectations. And so that that's what you're doing is you're buying lottery tickets. And one of them hits... You get a jackpot, fantastic! You cash that in, but otherwise, they have no real value. You're you're basically their priority undrafted free agents at that point because yeah, guys you're just should...
2: selecting guys so that other people can't sign them. Exactly, That's
1: it. there you have the basically you get to that point undrafted free agents and a seventh round draft pick are very close uh, in value. So, um, all right, well. We'll see how our predictions do. If we do really well, we'll bring them up next episode and we'll uh, talk about how great we did. If uh, we bombed on all of them, we'll pretend like this segment never happened. Um, That's right. We'll just bury them forever. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um, So let's, there, there's a few guys that you've done some work on that you wanted to do in this last episode before the draft. And so um, I want to get to those guys, uh, We did not do a corner episode. We'll do something probably down the line where we talk about corners, but um, there's a couple guys that you wanted to talk about that might be on the bears radar at cornerback. Who are those guys?
2: Yeah, we'll kind of do this as a speed round. Uh, We'll talk about cornerback and tight end, which were places where we didn't do full episodes. And then we'll go back to the places we did do a full episode. And I'll just add one guy that I've seen either since the episode or as I've been digging through late round tape uh, that I think is interesting. So at cornerback, Quick hitters, uh, Joe Joan Williams. I mentioned him earlier from Vanderbilt. He's really long. He's 6'4, 212. Uh, if you want to see why I'm interested in him, go ahead and watch the Old Miss game. The Old Miss game is pretty interesting because all five uh, skill players uh, on the Old Miss offense are going to get drafted. All three wide receivers, the tight end, the quarterback, um, are all in this draft. We're talking about DK Metcalf, we're talking about uh, Demarcus Lodge. A.J. Brown, uh, Dawson Knox, the tight end, and Tomu, the quarterback. All those guys are going to get drafted and Joe Williams – frustrated the hell out of that offense he's really physical he's a press man guy he'd be more of a replacement for a mukamara who plays closer to the line um, just has a lot of physical skills so if you want to see why he's really great watch the old miss game if you want to see why he's got work to do and will be available in the third watch the georgia game um, those guys are much more technical in the way their offense is put together and they they frustrated williams plus williams was was playing off that was more of a defensive thing but it's kind of two sides of the coin but a guy that's 6'4", 12, has decent speed and can shut down DK Metcalf um, yeah you, you take that guy if he's there the other guy's a full circle guy uh, we talked about him in the safety episode but I said we'd come back to him when we talked about corner and that's Ugo Amadi out of Oregon I don't think he's much of a safety but his reps in the slot some of his reps in the slot were just absolute wow moments on tape he plays the slot very very well and he reminds me of a young Bryce Callahan coming out of college i think that's where he ultimately ends up in the pros is in the slot not as a safety uh and he's got potential there so those are the two guys at corner for tight end uh a guy I just found a couple of days ago put a thread up on twitter alizé mac is the tight end from notre dame yeah. and He is something else. Um, He's got a crazy catch radius. He's not terribly fast in long speed. I think he ran a 4.7 at the combine, and that pretty much shows up on tape. He's a little quicker than fast, but he's got great hands and demonstrated just in a couple of tapes that he's going to be a great red zone target and— you know they line him up in the slot. They line him up as a traditional Y tight end. He's a pretty good blocker. He's got great size, six four two forty nine, I think. And he gets it done for the most part as blocker. He's not a great inline push blocker. Um, needs a little work as a cut blocker, actually. But that's not what you're getting him for. You're getting him to be a second or third tight end and a red zone target, and he can absolutely do that. And the other guy is an absolute flyer. Um, just because he's fun to watch and, and atypical, and I love guys like that. He's out of the University of South Florida. He's a bull. His name is Tyre, T-Y-R-E McCants, and he is – get this for measurables – 5'11", 240. Oh, okay. And they list him as a wide receiver. And he has all the conditioning of a baseball pitcher. Uh, he doesn't look like he likes physical conditioning at all, but he is a bowling ball on the field and would be a really interesting sort of little late round flyer, you know, UDFA conversion project as a, as a move tight end, somebody that could back up, um, you know, the bears. Yeah. The bears pass catching tight ends. And, um, you know do you get anything out of him who knows but he's a he's a great player to watch he's super fun USF has had some really good ones in the last few years and Tyre McCants is another one so
1: that sounds like a fan favorite waiting to happen when you get a guy oh,
2: like that. Oh, he's gotta be. Just you look at him and he's got his gut hanging out of his half shirt and he's running over guys, he's running away from guys, and you know, I, I wouldn't put him at wide receiver, let's put it that way. But as a move tight end, I absolutely think he could make some noise. And he 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 had some interesting games at USF where he actually put up some stats. It's not just a not just a hopeful. I mean, he's he's demonstrated the ability to play the position so uh, again, demand for that guy not going to be super high at 5'11", because he just doesn't fit any box, really. But uh, the move tight end sort of designation in the NFL is changing, and and he would be a fun one there.
1: So I, I've seen a little bit of talk about the Bears drafting a tight end, even with the third-round pick. There's the, the guy from A&M uh, who mm-hmm. I think you've even talked Chase about. Jay Sternberger. And yep. I, I'd be kind of curious to get your opinion on this. Do you think that's likely? I, I just don't see them going. I don't think that's a big enough need with the investments that they've made uh, in Shaheen and, and, and uh, Burton. What's the thinking behind yeah. that? Yeah, I
2: think it comes from two places. It is a really good question, and on the surface, especially for a casual fan—not I'm not calling you a casual fan—there um, could be a lot of confusion about that. You're like, didn't they just draft a tight end in the second round? Or didn't they just go out and pay Burton big, big free agency money? And the answer is yes, they did both. Burton, I think, was a little underwhelming last year. Um, uh, we've talked, or we haven't talked about this, but certainly it's been talked about on on pods a little bit that he just sort of wasn't the the flash. That, that everybody expected. He warmed up a little bit in the middle of the season, but he didn't provide you know huge spark, and he wasn't um, a massive outlet for Trubisky in his first season in the Nagy offense. So I think people were maybe a little disappointed sort of seeing the difference between the money and the production. And Shaheen has never really blossomed. He struggled with injuries. When he's been on the field, he's had moments. But again, from a second-round pick, I think people expect more. And so it's sort of an expectations thing, and it's really a question of Will Shaheen blossom this year or not? And I think it might be getting a little bit late for that. I'm not expecting it to happen. And in fact, I wouldn't be surprised if it didn't happen. Wasn't a huge fan of the Shaheen pick at the time. Does he have the potential? He has a physical potential. Absolutely. But we all know it's um, about a lot more than just physical potential. So, Shaheen really has kind of a make-or-break thing, and then if Burton were to go down with an injury, um, even with Shaheen on the roster, where are you really left with tight end? You've got a Shaheen who's not performing at a terribly high level, and and Ben Broniker is back, who is more of a special teamer and has some great physical potential, but again hasn't hasn't really shown out. So what do you have there? And if you get a guy like Jay Sternberger who were to slide, it could represent a real value at that eighty seventh pick. Again, first pick is a bit weird this year for the Bears because it's all the way down in the third round. It's late in the third round. So we're thinking of it as the first pick, but it's just the first pick for the Bears and almost ninety other foot player football players have gone off the board. So I could see it from that perspective. And there are some other good tight ends, but they tend to go off pretty quickly in those simulations. So I don't think it's a priority, but it could be a value depending on look if if Shaheen doesn't make it this year he's probably gone and you know if Burton goes out and gets hurt in the second or third game all of a sudden a piece of Nagy's offense is really sort of bare in the cupboard
1: yeah and i think you've you've hit on i think something that we should definitely talk about when we cover the pass catchers at some point down the line which we haven't got to pre-draft but we'll get we'll get to it post-draft but both of those guys were big-time projections, right? Shaheen, small school, took him because of the measurables, hoping that he would blossom into something bigger. Injuries certainly have played a role, but, you know, has not returned that second-round value, at least to this point. Hopefully the, the next year will will prove otherwise. And, you know, a guy, a guy like Trey Burton, who was number two on the team, behind Zach Ertz and you project that into a bigger role in the new offense you're expecting the numbers to be a little higher the usage to be a little higher I thought he played pretty well I I like him I think he's fine Um, but yeah you you expect maybe a little bit more production out of that position and it just wasn't quite there but it'll be interesting to see there's a lot of things to talk about with year two of the Nagy offense and so um, we'll get to that down the road but all right well that's that's interesting I'm not really sold on using the third on a tight end but um well if that if that comes to it we'll We'll, we'll dive in deep and figure it out. Yeah,
2: I'm not either, unless it's Sternberger. Um, Sternberger is a special player, and I don't believe, just, just to put this on record, I don't believe he'll be there at 87. He should be long off the board by then. If he is there, he'd represent value, and I'd be okay with it. The other tight ends, uh, you know, I'd, I'd kind of wait on them. I think Alizé Mack, the guy I talked about, is going to be available, certainly in the fourth, maybe even in the fifth. And, again, there it seems like a
1: reasonable take. That makes sense. In the fifth round, I, I, I'll i sign off on that.
2: All right. Who else you got for us? So going back through, uh, when we started with Bears over Bears, we did inside linebacker, safety, edge, and then running back. We talked a lot about running back, so I'll just give you a flyer on running back. But we'll go through in order. Um, these are just guys that I've seen in tape work either since uh, we recorded those pods or just digging through the late rounds. And I was looking again at that. Um, that sort of Bears, new Bears-style inside linebacker, that Roquan Smith, the Iggy. Right. and there's a guy out of arkansas who's really interesting he fits the measurables absolutely he runs about a four or five flat he's six foot 237 his name's dre greenlaw and a lot of people tend to forget that arkansas is in the sec no offense to arkansas fans um but they end up playing everybody that's in the loaded sec and dre greenlaw absolutely held his own and he's that fast guy he can play in pass coverage he's agile uh brings a lot of violence when he hits um is he Roquan Smith? He's absolutely not. His his diagnostics aren't quite as good um, as Roquan's, but he's got the speed. He's got that same size. He can play going forward, going backward. He's going to be available down the board. He would be a really interesting pick uh, again if they say say they move uh for a draft pick, um, and then you know end up packaging that pick and down the board in the fifth or one of those seventh round picks, you've got a hole where you'd like to bring in a young linebacker and you're looking for an inside linebacker to replace Kwiatkowski, Dre Greenlaw would absolutely be uh, a candidate for that safety. I'm going to give you a sleeper. I'm going to give you a deep sleeper. I'm going to give you a guy from Valdosta state. Do you know where Valdosta state is?
1: I have zero clue. Never heard. Right. Of that. That's, <laughs> that was the
2: same response I got when I talked about it on a pot earlier this week. He's like Valdosta state. I don't even know where that is. It's in Georgia. Um, it's uh I believe it's a division two school. This guy's name is Steven Denmark, and he showed up on a sort of safety watch list. Um, and his size is what got me first. He's six four, about two twenty. And I they have him listed as a safety and he ran a four five. And I thought, Oh, okay, here's here's a guy, height weight speed guy, right? And what do you want to see out of a, you know, lower level of competition guy? who is being touted as a sleeper you want to see him dominate at that level of competition so i found a tape with steven denmark at baldasta state and he is absolutely toying with people first thing is they played him straight up at corner he didn't play safety in college he was a straight up outside boundary corner and he is massacring guys across from him he's uh, now to be fair he's across from a lot of future insurance salesmen and and you know Sure. Guys, that are going to work at the tire store, but he is tossing them around the field and outrunning them, out hitting them, um, out physicaling them all over the place, and it's just a man among boys tape. So it's really interesting. Now, is he a polished safety product? Obviously not. He played corner. Um, his level of competition is definitely able to be called into question. But here's a guy who's six four in the two twenties, runs a four or five, and just completely devastated all of his opposition. So that's a guy you might bring in on that seventh round we talked about earlier as a, as a flyer, as a special teams guy, as a guy that who knows, maybe he grows into a viable third safety and that would be a, a huge win in the seventh. So Steven Denmark out of Valdosta state.
1: So Valdosta state is uh, red and black and they are the blazers and their mascot's name is blaze. which is true. A flaming matchstick man.
2: Yeah, they do have a blaze at the game. I did spot them on the sidelines. Um, and it's funny that they're the Blazers because UAB, which is Jordan Howard's first football destination in college before UAB, uh, uh, suspended its football program for a couple of years. And right. he went to Indiana to finish up. And then now they're back. So also the Blazers, um, different different Blazers, though, in terms of a, in terms of a mascot. But yeah, there's some pretty grainy footage of Valdosta state football. If you go looking for Steven Denmark, but it's uh, it's not hard to find him. Uh, it wasn't one of the cutups where they put the little highlight circle around him. And guess what? It didn't matter at 6'4 and two twenty, guy running a four five. He's really easy to pick out on the boundary. So he sticks so out like the matchstick man, man. Oh boy. Yeah. Maybe sort of moving on. Um, Edge, uh, defensive end, doesn't really matter what you call him. Um, Chuck Harris out of Buffalo is a guy we need to talk about now. In the inside linebacker uh, episode, we've talked about Khalil Hodge because, hey, another guy named Khalil out of Buffalo. Sounded pretty good. And I had some questions about his speed. It was pre-combine or pre-pro day or both, actually. Um, and, yeah, Khalil Hodge ran poorly let's just put it that way um i had questions about that from tape and it bore out in his testing so Khalil hodge kind of off the radar or at least down to the status of an undrafted free agent chuck harris however is a different story came on in his last season he's played two or three seasons for buffalo never had greats never had great stats but definitely blossomed especially in the last about six games for buffalo ended up with three sacks um, in six games and just generally was a handful over the final about six weeks of buffalo season and shows some really good traits on tape uh he's more of a power rusher but he shows some bend he can get around the edge and when he gets to the quarterback he lands violently a, a hard chop move he forced two or three fumbles on tackles not just sacks just tackling a running back sets the edge pretty well as a power guy this is a guy that they could bring in to sort of um You know, be second fiddle behind Khalil Mack, sit there and learn, definitely has the physical traits and could grow into a guy that could be a rotational edge rusher and shows the ability to bring some of that. He could be in that sort of Isaiah Irving role, that Kylie Fitz role. And I think um, he shows enough potential to go out and get with maybe even a fifth round pick, but more likely one of those sevenths. So Chuck Harris out of Buffalo, an edge prospect to keep your eye on.
1: And Chuck Harris just sounds like an edge rusher, doesn't he? Like a third round special, you know, third down specialist comes in and just rushes the passer. And he's like, Chuck Harris with the, pr-. I mean, it just sounds like it. So I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, all Yeah, it's I a like tough
2: that. sounding name, and he's a tough looking player, so it matches up. That's always nice when the two things connect. For running back, we've got just a couple of guys. Alex Barnes out of Kansas State is a compact little guy, five ten. He's about two twenty, but shows a lot of shift. Um, really good feet and some good initial burst he doesn't have great long speed but he can sort of get skinny get through a hole and just be past the line of scrimmage before you think so doesn't have great outside speed not necessarily a great fit for the bears but just one of those guys that i think is either going to go late or be a udfa and could come into the league and absolutely make a little bit of noise the last guy is um, one of Devin Singletary's running mates at Florida Atlantic University that um, got to give a shout out to Twitter followers. A Twitter follower of mine brought him up and said, have you seen Kareth White? And I said, no. Is he even draft eligible? And he said, yeah, he's from FAU. And I said, well, I saw that there's three backs that ran for FAU. They rotated him. I said, I, I don't know who you're talking about. And so I looked up Kareth White, and he played a lot on special teams. He's a kick returner, a punt returner, but he had a few um, reps on the regular offense, too. And he is wildly explosive, like Daryl Henderson explosive. When he makes it through the line, which he doesn't all the time, but when he does, he's gone. When he opens up his stride, he's like a 4 7 guy. He's really fast, four four two, something like that. Wow. He's on the small side, really good contact balance. And strangely enough, when he gets hit, it looks like he's hinged in the middle. Um, it looks like there's a hinge in his hips and it just kind of moves his legs out of the way and his top pivots. And then he just keeps running. It's the weirdest thing. Um, so he's got great contact balance, and he's got great speed. He's raw as a runner. Um, he's absolutely a free agent pickup. This is not a guy you're spending a draft pick on, but he has that explosive ability. And if you brought him in, again, contributing on special teams, doing some kick returns, um, even playing coverage with that speed, um, be great. And if he gets the occasional rep, or you've got a gadget play where you can get him the ball in the space, he is explosive. So Kareth White from FAU.
1: Interesting. All right. Well, I think that's the 738th running back that we've talked about in the, the draft process. At least. Um, and so um, just want to kind of pause here for a second and ask, do you have any final thoughts about the draft class, the, the Bears prospects, the taking certain positions, guys, uh, anybody that sticks out, any themes, Any anything like that? Any final thoughts on the draft as we get ready for it?
2: Oh, I have lots, but I think it's going to be fun overall. It's usually by this time we're pretty settled. We know who the top pick is going to be, Um, maybe even the first two or three picks based on that. They might even be in negotiations. Not that way this year. The Raiders having three first-round picks and being, um, let's just say, kindly unpredictable in what they'll do with those is really going to reshape the first round. And because the Bears don't have a pick, in the first round and likely won't be trading back up into the first round. It's really kind of a beer and popcorn thing this year for me. Um, I can just sit back and and watch the chaos and be, and be entertained by it. And I think that's great. Um, Other than that, it's a, it's a strong class as always in a few positions. There are, um, there is some real scarcity in the supply and other positions and early runs, could really really change this draft if if everybody goes after those positions where there isn't a lot of depth and they do it early people are going to start to reach as they always do people are going to overdraft and that just the the flip side of that is it pushes good players down the board and that could really play into the bear's hands because hey they're not picking until 87 and then maybe they don't have to trade up maybe they don't have to go get another third round pick uh they can sit at fourth and say hey that guy was never supposed to be here that's always the case oh that guy will never be there well sure enough he is because who knows there was a run on edge rushers and now you know the good corners and safety's pushed whatever it is um watching those slides is going to be really really interesting this year
1: well good so let me ask you at the top of the draft because that's the big question that'll be you know we'll figure that out in the first hour but do the Cardinals take Kyler Murray? And if they do, do they trade Josh Rosen? And if they do, who do they trade him to? Oh, it's great! Three great questions. Um, I think they do. I think Kyler
2: Murray goes number one to the Cardinals. I would not do that personally, um, but that's what I think the Cardinals do. Um, if they trade for Kyler Murray, if they trade up, or you know, if they take Kyler Murray at number one, they absolutely have to trade Josh Rosen. Um, so yes, they do trade Josh Rosen, and that has impacts in the draft, which is really interesting. Where does he go, and and who does that take out of the quarterback market? Um, One of the common destinations I've heard is the Redskins, and if the Redskins get uh, josh rosen then of course they're not going to be drafting a quarterback and that frees up strangely enough their division rival the giants to be able to not take one at six and be more comfortable that the guy they want is going to be there at 17 because the redskins aren't also going to be in the quarterback race anymore so all these sort of um you know cascading decision trees about what happens is going to be really interesting and and uh the other possibility is the raiders offer the cardinals a lot of draft capital and go up and take Kyler Murray and then all bets are off (laughs) everything's going to get shredded at that point if the Raiders move up to number one and take Kyler Murray and I could see them doing it because I, I don't believe they're totally sold on Derek Carr either Derek Carr at that probably at that point probably gets moved um and where he goes probably has a little less significance because of his large contract than Josh Rosen who's on a rookie contract but all of those interplay between the variables there is just going to be so much fun to watch because it's, it's not directly going to affect
1: the bears. And I can just sit back and go, this is, this is great theater. Like you say, beer and popcorn. I like that plan. Yep. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's let everybody know what we're going to be doing here over the draft. Uh, we've got this pod that you're listening to now. And then we're going to have some reaction pods with our podcast team, with Lester and with Robert. Uh, sort of instant reaction pods that we hope to be putting up shortly after the, the days of the draft where the Bears have picks. So we're hoping to come back to you with some quick hitting analysis uh, sometime over the weekend. And then we'll be diving deeper into this stuff later on as we get a chance to go back and review films, see how they fit, where they are in the depth chart, things like that. So down the road, we'll get into some deeper dives like we do, but we are planning on doing a, some some quick hitting stuff for an instant reaction pod. And then we're going to be doing tons of stuff at the site. So you're usually on the site doing the open forum stuff, at least uh, somewhat responsive to that. Um, and... Uh, just make sure that you're checking out the site for good conversation, good analysis, and you know look for those pods. Anything else I'm missing?
2: Um, absolutely. Follow us on Twitter. Um, won't be too much stuff on the bears over beers or at bears over beers account, uh, because it'll mostly be going on my account, which is at the draftsman FB. Uh, Jeff is at gridiron born. So, Going to be stuff coming out on Twitter. I will absolutely be on um, the Windy City Gridiron Forums. We almost always put up a first-round forum, second-round forum. I'll be in the comments there, sort of reacting to picks as they come. Won't be super busy. Uh, I'll be there Thursday night for the first round. Friday, I'm going to be away. And then Saturday, all day, pretty much uh, Saturday's my day. I love it. And I'll probably be managing the um, undrafted free agent um post and reaction that goes up the tracker that we put up on um sb nation and windy city gridiron because that's another passion of mine so that'll be on through that process really runs from as soon as the draft ends on saturday all the way through about sunday night um lots of shifting and and rumors that go on there so we'll be covering those as well um what do you think of that beer jeff
1: you know, it's uh, it's it's good. It's it's heavy. I mean, it's 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 a. Uh, you can definitely taste the alcohol. Um, the back of the bottle says "roasted malty smooth," and I would very wholeheartedly three, agree with the first two. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, smooth. I mean, you can definitely taste that it's eleven percent. I'll just say that.
2: Yeah, no, it's coming for you. The the 805 on the other hand is really smooth. 4.7 blonde start malt finish. It it's a very very drinkable beer. Probably the most drinkable beer I've had yet on the podcast and um I do have another one up in the fridge and I think I will probably go get it because even if I drink that I'm still not going to match the alcohol you got out of that smoke style.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, make sure you check back. Make sure you check out the website. And uh, we look forward to getting to this draft and seeing who the Chicago Bears select and welcome into the Navy and Orange.